Hey, this is Kiran Nagar from the Sparkling Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Rachel Paul Wilkinson with us all the way from Littleton, Colorado. Rachel is the lead of the Ranger team with over twelve years of experience as a certified realtor. Let's welcome our today's guest, Rachel Paul Wilkinson. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Rachel, let's begin with something interesting. I already know that you were born and brought up in Austin, and uh, you. Where a cowgirl, right? So tell us. I was. <laughs> tell us something different, something different you might have thought of, or something interesting about you. Most people probably don't know. Sure. So, um, like I said, I did grow up on a 400-acre ranch in Central Texas. I also was born into. Uh, into wealth. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, which actually did not last my entire childhood. Um, and a lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, we, at one point, my family did have private planes and I went to school in a limo and we had homes all over the world. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, yeah, that, that was my life growing up until I was about 10 o'clock, uh, 10 years old. And, um, and then it kind of came to an abrupt end it was a tax situation with my father in the United States government. So um, that and that was pretty much the end of that. And so we had to scrap together and band together and start all over, um, essentially, as far as my mom and my family. And um, we we made it out, I think, stronger people, too. Yeah. So being born with the silver spoon is something. Uh, which you experienced with the childhood, but then the downfall came wherein you maybe cultivated your own personality, right? Maybe that is sure. the thing you yeah. that built Rachel that today is, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so Rachel, now tell us about the business, okay? Uh, what sure. are the most important personality traits one should have to become a real estate agent or an investor? I personally think the ability to relate to anybody and to find common ground uh, and grow that trust on it is, uh, and you want people to, do you want people to feel like they're in good hands and you want people to feel like they can be totally comfortable with you and open and honest. So being able to just relate to people, finding something, you have something in common with every person on this planet. I assure you, you do. And finding that one thing to maybe grow that trust on and to know that I'm a human too. I'm not, I don't just see clients or customers as dollar signs. I see them um, as relationship building too. It's not just wealth building, it's relationship building and relating to them. And um, there's just so many realtors that calculate their moves on, um, you know, everything, everything they do throughout the day is how they're going to make money off of somebody. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like realtors get a bad rep is, uh, you know, we have these cheesy reputations or um, just uh, ruthless reputations. And I, I do pride myself on not being one of those, I feel. And um, I don't see people as just opportunities. I've worked for a lot of people who do see, see them like that. And I don't, you know, I see them, I see them more than that. I see them as friends and somebody that I'd like to help. Yeah, sure. So something that you cultivate, Cultivated and look for in an entrepreneur is empathy. Empathy, is somebody, empathy right? Right. Yeah. Having empathy. Exactly. Being able to relate and being able to put yourself in their situation. Of course. Of course. So tell us about the entrepreneurial bug. Okay. 
you were not a real realtor when you had that silver spoon right so how yes. did the journey go right uh, after that what did you do uh, tell us about it did you go to job uh, like tell us about it sure yeah it was you know much like a lot of people in the united states when you graduate from college and you're also told you know you have to go to school to become a doctor and a lawyer or whatever and um so you know you're just like set free after school out into the world to figure it out and that was that's difficult for a lot of people and that was difficult for me too i had to figure my i had to figure things out too and um finally landed into real estate by chance and i'm really glad i did because i do feel like this industry has the it, it it just has the personality that I think fits my personality the best. You have to have this kind of personality be to be in this industry and to catch the bug really came from, I would say came from my father. Um, my mother is very business savvy. Don't get me wrong, but my father is the kind. He was the kind of person that just could never work for somebody. He's never worked for any but for anyone in his entire seventy eight years of living. He never worked for anybody. He always worked for himself. And he was always an entrepreneur. And I do think that I inherited that personality where I just don't fit in in the corporate world. I know that there's corporate real estate companies and corporate real estate opportunities, but those are a little bit different than being your own boss, than running your own business as a realtor, because uh, those are more like nine to five jobs. And I just don't have that mindset. I don't fit in in those jobs and I'm not happy in them. So I like I like the idea of the pressure and um, the pressure that you have on yourself to be successful. And I really enjoy leading. Um, I played college volleyball and I was a setter. And that those person that personality definitely plays into real estate. It's competitive. It's you know you have to set your team up for success, or no one's going to be successful. Your team loses, and that's the same in real estate. Okay. Rachel, one quick question. Okay, you set your teams, uh, and then take that leap, right? You fix the car, right? You fix the team, and then go ahead to the success destination, right? Tell us what happens when the bump comes along, right? So there are going to be bumps in business. Oh yeah, deals fall apart. How do you make sure that you stay peaceful when the deals fall apart, and how do you make sure that everyone in the team is okay with that? Well, yeah, I think that separates the good leaders from the bad leaders, because if you can't handle adversity and you can't handle those rocky times, um, then I don't think you should be leading a team. And, you know, I feel when those times come, because real estate is always rocky, there's ups and downs and there's downs right now, but finding the positives in those and finding creativity in those issues is what sets I feel sets team leaders apart from um, steer leading their team through this adversity and or crashing them. One of the two. It's you have to be creative. You have to be you have to be better than the other people than your competition. You mm -hmm. have to be better than other teams, and you have to set yourself apart from them because no matter how bad the industry is going to get as far as real estate with interest rates and home prices and um, bubbles bursting, what what have you, um, it's really about weeding out the weak. You have to be the stronger one in that and find those creative 
uh, ways to get clients, to maintain clients. And people are always going to be doing real estate transactions, regardless of what's going on with the market. And if you want to be part of it, you have to set yourself apart from the rest of the industry and do things maybe other people aren't doing. Let's find out a creative way to to get into another community and help people find new homes or sell their current homes or whichever. So as you suggest that it is only a leader who makes or breaks a team. Well, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I think a leader, um, actually, maybe I do believe that yeah. because you're really, I mean, your team is only as strong as their leader. Really. I've had great teams. I have been in business with fantastic team members where I was a team member and I wasn't the leader and every person on this team was just incredible. And I would love to work with them. And they were all smart, savvy, creative, great attitudes, wanted to be successful, but our leader tore us apart. And it was, it was in, and so, yeah, I do think a leader can make a break. I do for sure. Okay. Got it. So be a good leader before starting a business. <laughs> Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Learn how to be a leader. Take your emotions out of it. It's not a personal thing. It's it's business. And um, of course, you know, by taking your emotions out of it, you still need to have sympathy and empathy, right? For your yeah. team members, yeah. things happen and you need to be able to understand their uh, when things happen and they make mistakes. And it's really how you respond to those mistakes. If you jump on a team leader and yell at them for something that they've messed up on, you think that's going to make them do better next time? No, it's going to cause trauma and then they're going to get resentful and then they're not going to care. So you have to keep them motivated too. And by keeping them motivated is staying positive and, hey, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. Yeah, So let's make better mistakes tomorrow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so as everyone is dealing with some level of difficulties, Rachel, right now, don't tell me about real estate. Tell me about investing. Okay. You are a landlord, right? How, how far have you came along as a landlord in your career and tell us about how do you manage it, right? And how do you manage difficult times? What are the difficult times as an investor? As an investor, okay, so difficult times uh, are, I mean, are going to be the, the typical real estate uh, downfalls yeah. of, you know, if people are losing losing their jobs. If, if our job market's not strong, that's when the landlord is going to have, that's when investors uh, in management companies are going to have troubles when tenants can't pay their rent, yeah. when uh, you can't find renters, when you have to lower the rent so far below what your investment is in it, as far as property taxes and your mortgage or your interest rate. Uh, if you have to lower it below what you're paying for the property, it's, it's not a good investment, right? So um, the job market has a big play on investments. If the job market's strong, your rental's going to be strong. There's going to be people who can afford to pay your rent and uh, keep your investment healthy. And um, having reliable renters, that's another challenge. That's something that you do if you manage it yourself, you want to make sure you invest in the right software to uh, screen people. You want to make sure you find those right tenants and that you do the appropriate background checks on them to make sure that they're going to be a good tenant to you and to your investment. Um, that is when a lot of problems come in is when somebody can't pay their rent. Um, you start the eviction process and then you lose money on those months that you're doing the eviction process because in some states it can be a very lengthy process. So 
there's good, bad, and ugly with investments. And that's part of the ugly is when you do have tenants that don't pay their rent, don't take care of your, don't take care of your property. Um, and that's when you're going to end up spending more money in the long run, either evicting them, remodeling, or, um, just losing out entirely on your rent and you having to pay out of pocket for it. Of course. So how do you find good renters? Like you said that you can do background checks. Give us details of what kind of background checks are most reliable. Sure. So a big part of it is getting to know that applicant. Bring them into your office. Don't just do it an online applicant and, and do a background check that way. Bring them into your office, meet them face to face. You know, people make mistakes. Things happen. During COVID, a lot of people, you know, they lost everything. So they filed for bankruptcy or they couldn't pay their credit card bills because their business was closed or, you know, any things like that happen. Medical debt. You know, you have a serious medical situation where you have um, a bad credit. So I don't think bad credit is necessarily something that you should focus on solely. Um, Getting to know the tenant getting their rental history, speak to a previous landlord. Sure, they might have gotten into a bad situation um, during COVID where they couldn't pay their rent, but they have a steady job. Make sure, do do um, job verification. Call their employer, confirm that they work there, confirm their salary, and then call their old landlord. Ask what kind of tenant they were. Typically, la- old management companies and landlords will be honest with you. If, you know, I'll be honest, if somebody calls me and asks me about a tenant, I'm not just going to say what they want to hear just so that these people have a place to live. If they ruined one of my properties, I'm going to tell this new landlord that that's what happened. So I think it's more than just credit checks. I think it's just really getting to know the person. Of course, know the person and do your background check for sure. So that's about investing. How do you look at investing? Like, uh, for being an investor, right, you have to be a first-time home buyer, right? So tell us about it. How do you uh, turn a first-time home buyer into an investor wherein they can, like, let's say they have a steady income of $10,000 per year, okay? So how $100,000 per year, and how do they manage it now? How do they become an investor with those dollars? Sure, sure. So um, as far as investments, you know, you want to you want to have a realtor that can do statistics on certain areas, too. Um, you want to make sure you have a sound investment in a specific area that doesn't need a ton of upkeep or remodeling. If that's a whole different ballgame, which is a great investment. If you have the capital to buy something, flip it, rent it or sell it. I, I highly encourage that, especially at the right time in the market. But if you're a cash, if you have the capital with cash, cash, it's, it's fair game. Go for it. I think that's a great way to not only help neighborhoods that are struggling and have dilapidated apartment buildings or townhomes or multifamily units, um, being able to come in there and flip it and make it uh, more desirable for tenants and make it more desirable for the area in this, um, in the, and the residence is is great. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure you do a thorough inspection and in what you're dealing with and the things that you're going to have to replace, repair, or the things that are new. Um, so there's a lot of numbers that play into if something is a good investment or not. Another thing that you want to look at is the rental um, the rental strength within the complex multifamily or housing area. Are there a lot of renters in that area? If there are, that might not be the best investment because... Um, you know, too many renters in a certain area 
yours might be overlooked, might not get a tenant. Um, if you're in an area, for an example, in Castle Rock, Colorado, where I do a lot of business, the rental market is very strong because there's nothing to rent. So if you have a house there and you're putting it on the market for rent, you will find tenants very quickly because there's hardly anything to rent in that market. So mm -hmm. a lot of that plays into decisions on investments and whether it's a good investment or not. Um, there's a lot of landlords that will buy older fourplexes and multifamily units that they need a lot of work, but they don't put the work into it. So they'll have the lower income tenants and the lower rental rates to, to satisfy. And it's a good investment for them, but that is not a long-term thing. That is something that you ignoring def defects, ignoring things that need to be upgraded and ignoring um, the area and the other in other you know civilians and residents within that area want is that's not going to be a long-term good investment for you. That's a short-term one. Sure, you might have your investment paid for for a couple of years, but if you don't upkeep your the property that you want to purchase, it's not going to be a good long-term investment. You'll, you're lucky to break even if that's okay. If that. Okay. <laughs> So location, lot, and layout, probably these three things. You need yes. To yep. Yep. Lot and I mean that's always that's always a factor with buying and selling. If you if you build this funky, weird um, home with all these random, um, oddly sized rooms or hallways, you know that's going to be a very specific home that a lot of people aren't going to want to rent or buy so and it does happen you'd be surprised <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll make sure of that uh, Rachel now tell us since most of home buying selling and education is happening online right what are your ways of leveraging online platforms do you use social media how do you use it I do use social media and it's funny because I took a big break from social media for a couple of years and I did see how it affected my business. Um, I took a break to be, to spend more time with my kids and to be less focused on online presence and I enjoyed it, but it's, it's a very necessary tool and to use. So I don't like to inundate people with just real estate things. I also like to throw in, um, you know, the culture of Colorado posts. Mm -hmm. And I like to post um, historic landmarks and places that I've visited and uh, just need attractions of the state to get to know um, why you're purchasing, like why you're purchasing in Colorado. What are the attractions there? Um, there's a lot of little nooks and crannies of the state that people don't know about. And exposing that online also enables people to be like, oh, well, that seems like a neat place to buy an investment property. I'd like to spend the summers there. So I'm going to go there and I'll reach out to Rachel. And um, I've also, um, it's helped me get closer with old friends and old colleagues because um, Colorado is definitely a place where that people want to be. They want to buy investment homes here. They want to buy summer homes here because the summers are gorgeous. And um, it's also just a very strong place for investments, especially in the ski towns uh, with all the events that go on in the summer and the winter here. Um, so yeah, I like to use it as more of a fun tool. I like to post jokes. Um, my, my company's named after our dog. So I'll post a lot of things about me here. <laughs> and, yeah, um, and the dog. Yeah. 
Yeah. And a lot of people like that. You know, some people aren't dog people, but uh, just posting, posting uh, thing, pictures like that and videos of him playing with kids and, and stuff like that is, is also a great way to use it. Okay. Good to know that. So let's say you had $10,000 extra on your budget today. Would you do investment with it or would you spend it on your business? Tell us why in both cases. That's a great question. I would definitely do an investment. I um I look at property. I look at the market three times a day. <laughs> I'm <laughs> constantly watching the market and seeing different opportunities. And um, I would definitely invest in potentially a duplex close to where I live right now. Yeah. Um, and I would also invest in my business. Um, I would invest in uh certain lead generation services. I would invest in my team. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I really like to do with my team is um, come up with a great team building uh, trip or a vacation or something for all of us, not just to talk about business. There'll be some business, but to get to know each other on a personal level and um, and do something like that. I'd like to treat my team. They work really hard for me. So mm -hmm. if they, if they bring in money where I have that power to um, buy an investment property. I'm also going to take them on a trip too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Rachel, now tell us about the favorite quotation. As you have mentioned that team building is something uh, you are very keen about, right? Uh, and taking them to tours. So how do you look at a quote? Which quote does the magic for you? My favorite quote would be, in the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. And I think that can apply in every aspect of life as far as adversity. Like I mentioned earlier, it's how you handle adversity, how you let go of things not meant for you, how you handle things when they're not going the way you want them or a business relationship turns sour the behavior and your reaction to it, I think shows your true colors. And um, I've been in situations where business relationships have gone sour and I was in one recently and the behavior of the individual was all I needed to see to know that I made the right choice and that I let go of it gracefully. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this individual let go gracefully. I thought it was very unprofessional and it showed the true colors. So it also made me very firm in my belief and my decision of, of leaving and dissolving the relationship. So three things matter the most in the end. <laughs> so exactly. Be, yeah. So tell us about the book that you're writing, Rachel, if you were to write a book about yourself from being born with the silver spoon to being a successful realtor today and an investor, what would be the name of the book and why would you name it so? I would name it Honesty is My Policy <laughs> okay. rather than <laughs> the best policy. And I think that's very important, again, in all aspects of life. Um, I pride myself on being honest with my clients, with my team members. I like transparency and, uh, my family and I kind of, we all have a running joke about honesty. My family has always been a very brutally honest 
group of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband has had to adjust to that as well. <laughs> um, we're, that's just, it's just ingrained in us. We're very honest people. And, you know, I'm going to answer something truthfully, even if it's something that you don't want to hear. And I feel that's really important, especially in business, is honesty and transparency all around, even if it's something you feel is uncomfortable for you, uncomfortable for somebody else, or it's just something that they don't want to hear. It's still good to be honest. Of course, of course. Agreed. Rachel, I agree with you on that. So honesty is not the best policy, but at least honesty is Rachel's policy. (laughs) Is my policy. (laughs) So... Rachel, tell us about your Instagram, tell us about your Facebook, tell us about TikTok, YouTube, whatever platforms you're available on. So I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of a rookie when it comes to social media. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, we, we aren't on Instagram yet, but we do have a Facebook page. I have a LinkedIn page, our website. Um, we like to use Facebook a lot. I feel like it's much more interactive. And, um, I also really like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great resource as well. Although I do feel it's a little saturated with realtors in general. It's just realtors sharing information with each other as opposed to getting business that way. Um, but it's also a great tool for recruiting as well. Um, I've made a lot of great connections on LinkedIn, um, of team members who ended up joining my team just from the connection on LinkedIn and doing some recruiting. Nice. So Tell us about it. Uh, what? How do you? How do we find you there? How do you find us? Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, if my if my go if my Google keywords are right and my content is is um, up to par, hopefully you Google Monument Colorado or um, Colorado Springs or Denver Metro area real estate, and our website would come up. Um, another, I mean the name ranger itself can apply to a lot of different, um, a lot of different keywords too, you know, like the rangers and sports rangers and military. <laughs> so, um, hopefully those that will ping our website too. Um, so and we also have a great tool on our website where you can log in and you can create your own searches and your own listings and everything within um, Colorado. And you can look all over the state with no real commitment to us. I mean, we can see your activity and the things that you've looked at. Um, but that's another great resource we have for people is you can visit our site and browse properties um, and get information on properties that typically Zillow and Redfin and all of the major websites won't provide all of that information. And it's live up-to-date information directly from our multiple listing service too. So do make sure you follow Rachel because she's a wonderful person to interact with. With that said, that was today's episode of the Sparkling Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was an honor to host you today. Thank you. It was an honor to be here. With that said, that was today's episode. I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off. You guys have a wonderful day. Bye, guys.